Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. A little disappointing today. Richie will not be with us yet. The baby calls again. So we're going to do a quick recap of the weekend's games, some of the things that I've noticed, as well as five bold predictions that I have for you this season. We will catch Richie's bold predictions on the next episode, and we will be sure to hold him accountable to make sure that a week and a half has not passed, so he's not hedging his bets. But let's get right into it. We are about five, six games now into the season. We are recording here on Tuesday, April 4th. So we have a little bit of a baseline for what has happened so far in the season. And what I've noticed right off the bat, OBP and speed is going to be the dominant factor in the 2023 season. If you look at it so far, the Cardinals, the Orioles, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, and then the Brewers are actually leading the league right now in OBP. St. Louis with a 396, Baltimore with a 385, the Blue Jays sitting at 376, the Dodgers at 372, and Milwaukee coming in at 364. If you look at the overall success of these teams so far, you're seeing about three out of five of them being pretty consistent. And then you're mixing in St. Louis as well as Toronto with a little bit of inconsistency. If you go ahead and look deeper at those numbers, it really rings true with their overall numbers for batting average against. The Blue Jays sitting at league leading right now, 322. It was having the Cardinals come in right behind them at 302. And then the Lonely A's at 292. And I think first and foremost, Blue Jays and Cardinals played each other, but there was a lot of bad pitching performances. Bassett got blown up. You look at Miles Michaelis the first night starting the 2023 season. Jack Flaherty actually held the opponents to no hits but had seven walks. So a lot of concern from the pitchers in those games. Berrios, obviously, the concern strikes yet again here in 2023. Beat up pretty badly by the Royals. So looking at the Blue Jays pitching staff, there are definitely some concerns there. Same thing with the Cardinals. I am, as we've talked before, looking for a Jack Flaherty rebound. I think seven walks might be an anomaly, hoping that he just couldn't get the feel for the ball. We're going to have to see. It is early, and I think that's the message that we want to push first and foremost. We have not seen enough data in this season yet. So OBP, again, king. Speed is up, and I expect speed to just continue to climb and climb and climb. If you look at it so far, the league leader for teams is about 11 overall stolen bases, and that is, in fact, from the Orioles. We saw them opening day steal a lot of bags. Jorge Mateo out here looking absolutely fantastic. And then comes in the Diamondbacks at nine total stolen bases. This will lead into my bold predictions. You do have Corbin Carroll on this team as well as some other assets that can steal a lot of bags. Cleveland Guardians coming in at three with eight stolen bases. This is a team that's going to have to rely on its pitching, its defense, its speed, its on-base percentage. The Guardians so far leading off the season at a 327 on-base percentage, so they're not too far behind the league leaders. I think if you look at the team so far that we're looking at from playing more of a traditional baseball approach, the Guardians, the Orioles, the Brewers, the Rays, all the teams we kind of expected coming into the season to kind of not lean on the power as much and really scale back and look at getting base hits and stealing bags. You do have a little bit more power with the Orioles. Uh, Milwaukee, as we've seen so far, not necessarily as limited in power as I think we expected. Brian Anderson with two home runs tonight, as well as Garrett Mitchell with two home runs tonight. So it'll be interesting to watch Milwaukee if they can pair a little bit of power with this on-base percentage approach. I think they could have a really, really aggressive season and actually surprise a lot of people. Arizona, of course, struggling with pitching as well. 
All right, so now that we've recapped some of the teams that have done well, let's jump right into the players that have been hot so far. We are a little bit past the uh, the initial waiver wire run, and as it's disappointing, hopefully you got the guys that are going to make an impact at least this week for you. Number one performer in our league, our Dynasty League, Adam Duvall, 41 total points. Kind of propped up by a really big game in which he had two home runs. Again, it's early, so these data numbers are skewed. Shohei Otani coming in, obviously has pitched well, has hit well. He's the variant in all of this. Jordan Alvarez coming in third with 30 points. CJ Krohn, 30 points. Cedric Mullins, a nice surprise. We will see if he's back this season. It may just be a couple early games, but Cedric Mullins' 2022 season was not a replication of what he had done the past year. Uh, batting 333 to start the year, two home runs. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. And again, from an aggressive Orioles team, I think he has a really good chance at stealing 40 bases this year. He already has four on the year. Uh, can we see that power come back to 30 home runs, though? If he gets back to 30 home runs or comes close to 30 home runs, you're talking about an absolute monster. Will Smith, great start of the year, 27 points. That catcher position has been very inconsistent to start the year. Xander Bogart's coming in at 27 points as well. And then Glaber Torres as well at 27. Interesting to look at Torres. He will also be on bold predictions. It's a contract year for Torres, and the Yankees really need his bat to be hot this season. Hopefully pairing him with um, Anthony Volpe can be success for the Yankees up the middle. They need to have guys on base for Judge. They need to have guys that can clean up at the bottom of the order. Ronald Acuna also having, obviously, a good year. A couple surprise names for you right out of the gate, though. We have Jan Moncada at 26 points. Jan Moncada obviously has not been the player I expected him to be so far in his career, and a lot of the prospect pedigree has fallen off. But so far batting 429, two home runs, uh, both at Houston, both to the Crawford box. So, again, maybe a little deceiving. We have Joey Gallo. Power may be back for Joey Gallo. He isn't leading the league right now, at least in the upper threshold of exit velocity. That's something he's always done well. The question is, can he bring that confidence back? Three home runs so far, two in Kansas City, one in Miami. Then we have James Outman. Big-time waiver wire pickup over the weekend. Dodgers outfielder is getting playing time. Had a nice three-RBI, two-run game against Colorado on the third and has ultimately two triples so far to start the year really like what James Altman did so far I don't know if there's going to be consistency in playing time there big question for me is with all the moving pieces that the Dodgers have are they really leaning on the analytics and will James Altman ultimately only play 120 games if he can creep up to that 130 140 range I think you have a really good chance at a top 30 outfield here just for the simple fact that counting stats play in and Altman did have 30 home run power in the minor leagues last year so you're not just selling out for the on-base runs and average with Outman. Really interesting player to look for if you've picked him up. I would definitely hold on to him. I'm already seeing him uh, dropped for different players in a few other leagues. You know, that shine is kind of worn off after the first couple games as the Dodgers move forward with their season. So hold on to Outman. Keep him on your bench if you can. Next name on our list is going to be Bryce Terang. Kind of came up from Milwaukee as expected this year in his age 23 season. I did not expect him to get a full slate of playing time. I expected him to be a true utility player. And what he's brought into Milwaukee is a lot of energy, an incredible glove, and on-base percentage ability with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Two stolen bases so far. He did have the home run, which was a grand slam for his first major league um, home run. And that is always fun, right? We root for these guys. Terang's been a guy highly touted for the Brewers, highly touted out of Southern California when he was drafted, was supposed to go to LSU following the Bregman footsteps ultimately chose to sign with Milwaukee and really never pr produced the power potential in the minor leagues that you want to see a player 
a young high school draft pick develop into. So the question is, can Terang ultimately have enough power in the big leagues to stick around as a regular player? Again, incredible glove. That in itself may lead him to more of an Orlando Arcia career where you're seeing him as viable starting in certain teams because he's got the glove and if he's going to play every day in 15 team leagues, maybe he's a guy that you need as your middle infielder. So look for Terang to continue success in Milwaukee with the on base or the runs, possibly the stolen bases. Again, monitor those home runs, monitor those RBIs. Next player on the list for us is Nolan Gorman. Gorman obviously lost a lot of favor last year with the strikeout percentage, with his inability to hit the balls that were higher in the zone. A lot has been talked this spring about him changing his swing, obviously really focusing in on the upper part of the zone and really changing his stance to get to some of these pitches that otherwise last year he wasn't able to. Starting off the year so far, he has six hits, 12 at-bats, two home runs, six RBIs, power still there. Did have those two home runs against Toronto. We've talked about them earlier. There were some question marks regarding ultimately how bad is their pitching staff. So again, another player to monitor, but he's eligible at second base, and it has been an absolute black hole so far. So a guy that you want to keep an eye on, possibly go out and trade for if you need that second base eligibility and you need that fill. And then the last name on our list is going to be more or less a fun one, Trace Thompson. Big-time pickup in a lot of leagues as well. Trace Thompson, obviously the brother of Clay Thompson for the Golden State Warriors. Trace Thompson, three home runs, eight RBIs against Arizona. Each one of his home runs was 107.5 miles per hour off the bat. So nice exit velo, but not elite-level exit velo. Much like Outman, the question mark for Trace is how often is he going to play? Can we see him get regular at-bats? Is he just an individual that's going to play against lefties? And are we going to see a rotation in that Dodgers outfield? Because there are open opportunities. So looking for one of these individuals to capitalize on that opportunity is really important. All right, now moving into starting pitching. Again, I'm looking at our overall Dynasty League. There are some point changes. We don't necessarily hinder walks as much as we used to. So negative half point for walks. Uh, Jeffrey Springs starting off had an incredible performance 12 K's definitely feeding into the hype that we talked about this spring why we wanted him so badly he is in his age 30 season in 2023 again profit pocket for us starting point of age that we like to target guys that may not have had uh, early career success is 26 ultimately 27 and on Springs definitely looks like a guy that has figured things out at age 30 and could provide immense value in leagues this season so kind of monitor his situation if you're looking for an sp2 and you kind of want a discount may now right now may not be the time because springs had such a good game but if he does hiccup over his next couple games you could go out there and get value because i do think he provides top 30 sp upside i think he ultimately falls top 20 sp this season if he can get those 160 innings garrett cole incredible game one performance 11 k's didn't allow a home run got the win Looking for him to continue the success, I have picked him as AL Cy Young this year, so I'm hoping that he can minimize those home runs. That's really the only thing holding him back. Drew Rasmussen, also a Tampa Bay Ray after talking about Springs here. Rasmussen's a guy that we thought could have big breakout potential as long as he can go deeper in the games. Was concerned here. He had six innings, only seven Ks. Did get the quality start, got the win, but we want to see him work deeper in the games, and we're just at this point starting to wonder, will the Rays allow their pitchers to actually grow and develop into long-inning starters? That question has remained to be seen. Shane McClanahan, also six innings, six Ks. Nice bounce back. Looks good. Shoulder looks healthy. 
Freddie Peralta comes in next. Six innings, seven Ks against the New York Mets. Had an absolutely incredible game. Looked like he was more the Freddie Peralta from 2021. He has the same question marks, though, with Rasmussen and Springs. Will the Brewers baby him? Will he ultimately allow, be allowed to grow into a deeper role where he can pitch into the seventh, eighth inning if allowed? Graham Ashcraft comes in next. Another big industry sleeper coming into the season. Love Ashcraft. Absolutely hate the team he's on. You know, thinking about him pitching in Cincinnati with that ballpark and the way the ball is flying has always concerned me with any pitcher that I highlight for the Cincinnati Reds. Ashcraft went seven innings, six Ks, only allowed one run, had one walk. Really liked what I saw from him as well. Again, we have to monitor that situation as the weather heats up. Can Ashcraft be a viable option? Does Cincinnati look to trade him for some high-end pieces at the deadline? I think that would be the best case scenario for Ashcraft. And if he's an individual that people are looking to sell high on, maybe go out and trade for him with the hopes that he will be moving to a different team. Next couple of names we have for you, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan for the Minnesota Twins, six innings, six Ks. A lot of talk in the industry about him changing his pitch mix, uh, as well as adding a few pitches. And I think the really big thing that I want to focus on here is the perspective that the athletic brought out with changing pitch mix as well as adding pitches, which is you have to reevaluate the individual moving forward. You can no longer look at this individual and the track record they've had as this will be who he is. Once they've added pitches and changed their pitch mix, you have to bring a whole new dynamic to the table and essentially project what they're going to be with probably more strikeout ability. So Joe Ryan in the past has been a guy that has been very consistent, minimizes runs, you know, pitches six, seven innings, seven's about his cap, but doesn't have high strikeouts. Joe Ryan could definitely be a guy this year that could climb up the strikeout boards. But to me, that would also mean he's going to minimize his innings. He's probably going to be sitting around six innings because he'll be throwing more pitches as he develops himself into a different version of what he was. Anthony Diaz-Scalfini comes next for us for the Giants. Guy that was really slept on a lot this uh, season as well in drafts. Guy that was picked up in most of the leagues that I was in after the first weekend. No runs allowed. Did go six innings. Can we see a, a repeat of the 2021 season from D. Scalfini? Definitely a guy that could be a nice filler if he's out there. A rotational piece for mix and match a spot starts for you in your fantasy league. If D. Scalfini is still out there, go out and grab him. That wraps us up for pitching for the most part. There will be some more names that we talk about, obviously, next week. Uh, but I think we kind of dove into some of the guys that I really liked and some of the surprises. Kind of moving on now, I want to get into the injuries that happened so far. And I have a list of names. May miss a couple here. But I just wanted to highlight some of the big ones. Robbie Ray, diagnosed with a grade 1 flexor tendon strain, no timetable. This is a very concerning injury. I would expect for him to probably be out most of the season. It looks like they're going to try and do uh, rest and rehabilitation. Flexor tendon strain, never good, though. You know, that's forearm. There's going to be concerns there. Robbie Ray had a great end of his season last year. I had pegged him for a guy that was going to be a really big bounce back throughout the full season here. So big blow for the Mariners. You know, there's going to be a spot to fill in that rotation. Is it brash? Do they possibly bring up a prospect? These are big questions that we're going to have to evaluate and hopefully have answers for you next week. But expect Robbie Ray to be out for a while. Justin Verlander comes in next. Verlander, right before the Mets opening day game, was ruled out. He's placed on the IL. A rear shoulder injury, very similar to what Tristan McKenzie has for the Guardians. They are saying, though, that it's very minor. 
should be out a month, maybe a month and a half. Verlander even came out in an interview and said, if this were playoff baseball, I'm pitching. It's not a problem, but that he did not want to press the issue. Verlander obviously is older, and that's the concern. I think we will see a very good season for him. The The big concern, though, is age. Can we see a productive season out of him? Can we get 160 innings out of him after he comes back, or do we see more of a lightened workload? As we're looking at the Mets right now, though, there is a lot of concern with the lineup. Scherzer did have a very rough outing today against Milwaukee. I think they're going to need Verlander in that rotation, and I think they're going to need him in that rotation all the way through the stretch and into the playoffs. Next up, Max Freed, opening day injury. Never love to see that hamstring injury. I don't have a timetable on his return, but I think the big thing here and the big takeaway is it was not an arm injury, was not a lat injury. That is absolutely important for the Braves. Just give him time, nurse him. They have enough pitching depth to hopefully allow him to come back in a timely fashion, but not too rushed. Kyle Wright also should be expected back very shortly. He did start throwing. Kenta Maeda had a very nice start to the season but ultimately left his first game with an arm injury. That was today. No update yet. We will have an update for you next week. Anthony Rodon, definitely a interesting case here. He is currently suspended, but also dealing with knee soreness. I expected a really big bounce back from Anthony Rodon this season. The suspension does not help. The knee soreness does not help. I'm really hoping after the suspension, it gives him a few days to rest and relax, get that knee where it needs to be so that he can come out and provide the value that I ultimately expected from him. A guy, if he's still floating on the waiver wire or was dropped because of suspension, I definitely think is worth a bench spot. Again, let's give it some time. It's only April. If by May nothing has produced, I think at that point you move on. Next name on the list is Ryan Presley. There is injury concern here, has been, will always be. It is said that there is only an illness concern for him currently. But again, we have had injuries in the past. He always has an IL stint at least once a year. I personally am moving on from Presley. I think Rafael Montero will take this job at some point this season. He's being paid over $10 million a year to be the setup man. He's over 30 years old, so clearly the Astros see something in him as a viable backup in case Presley's injuries continue. Again, I think Montero will be the closer for the Houston Astros by August. Next injury on our list is Devin Williams dealing with a bicep issue. Should be okay. Is concerned there. Milwaukee has absolutely nobody viable beyond Devin Williams to close games. Brewers really need to have him come back healthy. Monitor the situation. I think they're also going to be very careful with him with the idea that that bullpen is light. Gunnar Henderson, sore right hand, did not play today. I think this is a minor injury, but something to just be a little bit concerned with. He's young, and I think they're going to also be careful with him. But as a youngster, I think... There is more times where they're inclined to come back and battle through injuries when maybe they should be sitting out. And the last injury is Brett Batty had an incredible start to his season and ultimately hurt his thumb. Uh, concern is that he possibly broke it. He is going for imaging. Keep your eyes on that. Batty, for me at least, was slated probably to hit the Mets lineup in the next couple of weeks because they've just had so many issues scoring runs as well as being productive. I think Batty was going to fit really nice into that lineup and provide a nice little added punch. Uh, if that thumb is broken, that's a huge loss for not only fantasy rosters, but again, for the New York Mets. All right, so finishing the show today, we are making it short since I am solo. We're going to do a little bit of bold predictions. I've got five for you. Kind of sat back, looked through the league, looked through things that I liked. Probably would have been a little bit different if I had not had five or six games under my belt. But here we go. Uh, Corbin Carroll, a player I've loved all spring. We all know this if you listen. I'm projecting him to have 70 stolen bases. He had 31 in 91 games in 2022 minor league season. So far, Corbin Carroll has three. He stole second and stole third the other day without a throw to either bag. 
immense speed, elite speed. If not the fastest player in the league, he's top five. I think Corbin Carroll, as he starts to develop and become more consistent at the plate, you will start to see him on base, and I think you will see the Diamondbacks continue the aggressive nature they've had this season. Again, these are bold predictions. I don't want them to be too outside the realm of reality, but I want them to be pushing those limits. I think Corbin Carroll's 70 bases is bold. I think realistically we're going to see probably 40, probably 50. But again, if he goes absolutely crazy, I think 70 stolen bases is very bold. Next up on the list, 20 players have an average over 300 this season. We had 11 players in 2022. And as we see the removal of the shift, we're seeing that hits are up, runs are up. We're seeing ERAs climb. We're seeing uh, batting average against for pitchers climb. I think we start to see the average come back from players like Christian Yelich and other individuals with similar uh, similar profiles. I'm projecting at least 20 players have an average over 300 this season. I'm not even sure that's bold enough. I kind of wanted to put in 30. 30 is a lot. Uh, 20, I think, probably is bold because we saw 11, and that's almost a 2x from last year. But again, with no shift, we're going to see a lot of changes in the game. We already have after only five or six games. Next bold prediction I have for you is Xander Bogart's 30 home runs. He is at three home runs already this season. He had another one today. If you look back on Xander's career, he had 33 home runs in 2019. Now, a reminder, that was the juice ball era. Xander Bogart's most of his career has been a 15 to 20 home run guy, has not really shown that power. But I think a change in scenery into San Diego, which is even worse of a hitter's ballpark than Boston, will actually help him because he's not running into that monster. You look at Bogart's overall approach, a lot of his hits over the years have banged off that monster. I think much like today's home run, you could see five, six, seven home runs this season for the simple fact that he is a loftier home run guy and San Diego ultimately deeper park, but may actually benefit him with not having that monster. Fourth bold prediction for you today, Glaber Torres ranks number one at second base. We talked a little bit earlier about him on the show. He has performed absolutely great so far this season. Two stolen bases, two home runs. The New York Yankees need him, and he needs to play well. It is a contract year. Again, I think he will be a really big proponent of a guy that benefits from the change in defense, from the change in environment in Major League Baseball. He's going to utilize what we are now seeing as an ability to steal bases without necessarily elite speed. And I think aggressiveness is just in his nature. question is, can he be consistent with the bat? Second base is very weak this season. We've seen some struggles from Albies to start the year. We have also seen the fact that, you know, Semyon is coming out of the gate hot. So normally Semyon starts the season slow. Can Semyon put it together for a full year of production and consistency? If that's the case, it'll make Torres' job at being the number one second baseman very challenging. Final bold prediction for you. And after the first couple games, this is not so bold anymore. This is a guy I liked all spring especially before we even got into spring. I liked the signing from Minnesota. This is Joey Gallo. And I have bold prediction. Joey Gallo returns to 40 home run power with hitting 40 home runs in 2023. I think with Gallo having the opportunity to play more, as well as just being able to regain his confidence in Minnesota, what we're going to see is Joey Gallo return to his Texas Rangers days, put up some numbers where he can sign a decent contract and ultimately continue his major league career. Because if you look back in the last two years, there was some concerns that Joey Gallo was done. This was his last chance. And even though it's been only a couple games, Joey Gallo does look good. Obviously, we have strikeout concerns. I want to say he has 12 or 14 strikeouts through his first couple games this season. That's very concerning, but that's been always Joey Gallo's biggest weakness. So those are my five bold predictions for the 2023 season. Again, we will get to Richie's next episode. 
But I wanted to keep this one short just to kind of recap what we've seen so far through five or six games. We will kind of touch deeper on issues next week as well as kind of go into a statistical analysis on a few things that we also like. Until then, we'll see you next time. 